Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Coming to you live and direct from the City of Angels, where uh, we have a full slate of NBA games. uh, A potential elimination game in Major League Baseball. And uh, we're only a couple hours away, actually an hour away, from the ALCS, in which uh, started out with... uh, Houston Astros 2-0 lead. Now it's a 2-2 series. And uh, A.J. Hinch is, am I going to rip A.J. Hinch the way I did Joe Madden? I'll get to that uh, upcoming. But a ton of things to tackle. Let's let's start with the reaction to NBA's opening night last night. You had the Celtics taking on the Cavaliers in Cleveland. Of course, uh, the nightcap was the Golden State Warriors uh, getting their rings and getting their first L of the season. Shot went in but didn't count. Kevin Durant hit a shot at the buzzer after the buzzer, after the double, the triple zeros on the clock. 
Uh, but we had two very competitive basketball games where ball was in the air and at least one game could have been tied on a three. The other one could have been one had had the shot gone in before the buzzer. So two competitive games in the NBA. But the story that everybody's talking about is Gordon Hayward's injury. Gordon Hayward signed a huge contract to come over from the Utah Jazz to play for his college coach, Brad Stevens, and uh, the team with the best record in the East in the regular season last year, the Boston Celtics. I, I don't know about you, but, like, look, injuries happen in the NBA, and even injuries like this have happened before. But to happen in the first quarter for a player who just goes to the Boston Celtics, who leaves behind everything he knows and loves about the NBA and the Utah Jazz and that heartfelt letter on the Players' Tribune, in the first quarter, that the game that everybody in the NBA is watching, this happens. Kyrie Lobb looking for Gordon Hayward. He throws it into traffic. It takes a funny bounce, though, right to Jalen Brown, who gets to the cup Uh-oh. and lays it in. But Gordon Hayward is hurt. He's broke. He, I like his leg is broke. His foot is broke, Sean. He is broke Gordon Hayward landed awkwardly. We have Celtics with their hands on their head. And it is season a summer in which everybody thought they knew what was going to happen. Everybody waiting for a wild card and five minutes and 15 seconds into opening night as gruesome a wild card as you can imagine has just been dealt to the Celtics. Uh, That's from the Celtics radio network. Sean Grandy on the call. And uh, I think that was uh, cornbread Maxwell as well as uh, the, uh, the analyst. Uh, Yeah, it was, it was gross. Now look, there's a couple, we've talked about this before. Three types of people on earth. Three types. Right? Um, no, not Democrat, Republican, Independent. No, 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 because we know there's others. There's the type of person, I don't want to see it. Don't show me. Just tell me what happened. Okay, that's enough. I, 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 that's it. There's show it to me once. I can catalog it in my memory bank. Want to just see it once? Okay, I've seen it. That's it. Or there's, oh, show it to me again. Oh, show it to me again. Oh, hold on. Send this to my buddy. You got to see this. Oh, right. Can't watch it enough. Sorry, that's me. And and that's not because I don't have the human emotion of feeling bad for Gordon Hayward. I was on set. I remember when Kevin Ware broke his leg with Louisville. I was actually on a different TV set when um, Paul George broke his leg in Vegas. I mean, I think the thing I'm most thankful for, or maybe most amazing is, like, you see these guys injured, then you see them playing basketball again. You're like, wow. Science and medical medical technology is pretty amazing. But obviously, it, it changes the Celtics. It changes the East. Unlike Skip Bayless, I wasn't willing to tweet about it last night. And, well, it's a walk for the for LeBron James. Speaking, if, it is, if it's a walk through the playoffs, there's plenty of walking taking place with all the travels that LeBron was, was, was guilty of upon further review. But a day later, we can catch our breath and not just feel gross having watched that injury myself. I watched it 10, 15 times. We realized the Celtics weren't going to win an NBA championship this year, right? 11 new players out of 15 guys, they weren't winning an NBA title this year. They might have been competitive for one. It stands to reason that Brad Stevens would get them uh, deep into the NBA's Eastern Conference playoffs. That's fine. But I didn't think they were winning it this year. And their development or their ability to win it is going to be based upon those young hybrid forwards, Jalen Browns and Jason Tatum. This might sound crazy. Like for Gordon Hayward, 
It's an injury. Paul George spoke about this earlier today. and He said, look, he's still not as explosive as he used to be before he broke his leg. So for Gordon Hayward like that, considering you were just coming into the prime of your career to play with the Boston Celtics to suffer this injury, the Celtics have had Len Bias, Reggie Lewis, even Larry Bird's back going out on them. They've, they've had some, I don't believe in curses, except maybe with Cleveland, right? I don't believe in curses. Uh, but with the exception of of Cleveland pre-LeBron or Cleveland non-LeBron sports being cursed, not really, but the, they have had some, oh my gosh, you're almost cursed-like things for the Celtics. Things go wrong. Two lottery picks. They don't get Tim Duncan. I, I could be crazy to think this. I think the Celtics might actually benefit long-term from it. Gordon Hayward's a tremendous player, and he eventually will be one of the two focal points of the offense. But they're going to need Marcus Smart to be a bigger part of what they want to do. They're going to need Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to develop quickly on the fly. And like statistically, both played well, especially Tatum in the second half. They got to their bodies had to fill out. They got to become grown men. They got to learn to def- play defense, rebound. Jalen Brown missed a wide open three late in that game. Couldn't stop LeBron James, who did travel badly, but uh, jumped when he shouldn't have jumped trying to play defense. Bigger thing is this. Long-term, if the if the finish line for the Boston Celtics, or if the goal was, hey, we, we want to be competitive this year, we want to try and win it next year, and the year after that, and the year after that, and the year after that. I'm a silver lining guy. Gruesome injury. We've seen Paul George return. And now we're going to see the development of Jason Tatum and the development of Jason of Jalen Brown being bigger focal points of this offense. Short-term loss, devastating injury, happens in a national... Like, there's lots of TNT games that you don't pay attention to. The first quarter of the first game, LeBron against the Celtics and Kyrie going against his former team, you're paying attention. We all saw it. We're all grossed out by it. We all feel bad for Gordon Hayward. Long-term might not actually hurt the Celtics. Might actually help him. Uh, and then we have Major League Baseball. And I understand numbers. But I believe, and if you guys can find it for me, I believe Oral Hershiser said something uh, something to this effect when he joined us. It wasn't Oral Hershiser, it was uh, John Smoltz. John Smoltz joined us last week. And I and uh, and I asked him about about, you know, matchups and pitchers and whatever. And he said, he basically said what what I'm going to say in much uh, more interesting fashion. Whatever happened to feel? Whatever happened to feel? Like you cannot teach feel. Not feels. Uh, feels is like love, affection, lust, attention, right? You know the new song, Feels, right? I like the song. I like the song a lot. And I had to, you have to explain to people like what, what I feel I I'm I'm getting to the age where people have to explain to me what things mean. Feels I know what they mean. I'm talking about feel, sports feel. You can't teach feel. One of the reasons that so many of the managers in baseball are catchers is because in order to be a catcher, you got to have feel. You got to understand when do I go out to the mound when I not go out to the mound? I got to get a feel for is this guy peaking? Can he hear where I'm where I'm setting up the target. Got to have feel for when do I cycle through uh, the pitches. 
Got to have feel for what the pitcher has working. You got to relate that your feel you have in a bullpen session to your manager. Right? Like the reason point guards are good coaches is the same reason that catchers are good managers because they have feel. I thought A.J. Hinch lacked feel yesterday. Not because he was he was wrong in terms of the numbers. Uh, if you watch the Yankees take on Lance McCullers, who had barely pitched, barely pitched here in the fall. Um, he had he hadn't started in 17 days. At least he's rested, right? Hadn't started in 17 days. They throw him out there. What are we going to get? Lance McCullers was dealing. He was dealing. And when you got to the seventh inning, he had only surrendered one hit. One. He wasn't walking players. He wasn't putting them on base. He was wheeling and dealing, and Yankee Stadium was a vapid wasteland of bitter fans. Matter of fact, online, going into the seventh inning, the bottom of the seventh inning, nine outs away from taking a commanding three games to one lead. And remember, they still have Justin Verlander to throw out to, to end this thing. That's the, that's the sense, right? And you have Dallas Keuchel, who's going to go today for the Astros, who has given the Yankees all kinds of trouble. You got Keuchel, Verlander, and a 4 nothing lead. Go ahead. He'd given up one hit. And he was at like 70 pitches. And then he gives up a ball. Uh, he gives up a home run to uh, Aaron Judge that still has yet to land. What's the line from uh, Major League? And it travels that far. It needs a stewardess on it. And know what that is? That's what, that was like, oh, 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 I, that's gone. Right? It was a batting practice ball. Now, it's Fair to say, look, statistically, statistically, Lance McCullers is bad third time through a lineup. Opposing hitters th- hit 368 against McCullers after pitch 76, and that was his 75th pitch that was deposited somewhere where the polo grounds used to be, which is, there's a freeway in between. That's how far it was. Statistically, he's not wrong. All right? But he gave up his second hit of the night. He was only at 81 pitches when he got pulled. And I just think A.J. Hinch lacked feel. I know the numbers told you, get him the hell out of there. But everybody in baseball knows they got a dicey bullpen at best. And though he might have, A.J. Hinch, here's A.J. Hinch on the decision to pull McCullers not a great visual from my my side of the dugout I'm not sure how it was from the other side but um you know for us we just couldn't get the inning to end we were trying to match up and get and make pitches they were putting really good at bats together and then even their outs you know they had productive outs or whatever not nobody likes that term but but the they they, they got 90 feet whenever they needed to whether it's the sack fly whether it was Gardner's ground ball to second base you know I think they the key really in that inning is not not turning Headley's ball into an out yeah well I mean that's and Headley's ball into an out, and of course, Headley, Chase Headley rounds first base, and Jose Altuve, who can do no wrong in a lot of people's eyes, Jose Altuve screwed it up. Screwed up. Like, no no man on in baseball is closer to second base physically than Jose Altuve. He's five foot six on a good day. Like, like he is he is an oompa loompa. He's part of the Lollipop Guild. 
and he caught it, and he couldn't tag out Chase Headley, who looked like he looked like a beer leaguer on a Tuesday night softball rounding first base. One of the least athletic plays you're ever going to see from a professional athlete. And the Astros just completely choked on an easy rundown, a basic play. But I, I look, I understand that you're like, holy hell, Aaron Judge just hit that ball a mile. You're looking at the numbers. Lance McCullers is bad once you get past 75. I pitched 75. I get it. But how about a little feel? Ah, it's 4-1. Because the second you as manager freak out because Aaron Judge did what Aaron Judge does when he hits a baseball, now the rest of your team, uh, do you guys remember Ferris Bueller's day off? They're turning coal into diamonds. He got tight. They got tight. The Astros choked one inning away. That game was over as soon as he made the pitching change. And now the series is very much up in the air. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I can't figure out the, who's the great team in the AFC. Then you have the Denver Broncos who appeared to be seemingly unbeatable. Unbeatable at home. And um, then the Denver, then the, 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 excuse me, the New York Giants come in without any of their first three wide receivers. Go back to the week before, and and they beat him. I, I don't know. Maybe Terrell Davis can can help us out. the uh, The Hall of Famer joins us here on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Can you figure out? Like that's a weird weekend. Let's just start with the Broncos. Of course, T, um, TD, help me out. What the hell happened? Like Giants, you would think would have no chance of winning there, and yet without any of their top three wide receivers, they do just that. Um, I wish I had some some answers for you, but the only thing I can think of is you've got a team in the Broncos who had the bye week. Of course, you're playing a team that's 0-5. They've whole starting wide receiver uh, cores out. Um, You don't think they have much of a chance of winning. So, you know, I've been in games – where you just kind of just you talk it up as a win, and you just you forget to play the game. So I think the Broncos kind of just took this one for granted. They thought that um, you know it was kind of an easy win, and the Giants had 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 other other plans. And uh, you know from the opening drive, you can tell that the Giants, you know, even though they were down um, a lot of the key players, they they ran the ball well. They uh, controlled the, the line on the defensive side against. Uh, Denver's uh, O-line, and Denver just made a lot of uh, uncharacteristic mistakes, and Trevor Simeon needs a running game. Uh, if he doesn't have a running game, he's not going to be an accurate quarterback, and, and uh, they've capitalized off that. So, yeah, I mean, it was a weird thing for the AFC West, when you think about it. You know, you got the, the Raiders losing at home to the Chargers. You got the, uh, the Chiefs losing to the Steelers at home, and the Broncos losing to the Giants at home. And remember a few weeks ago, we thought that this was the best division in football. And uh, it was just a strange week to see all those teams lose at home, uh, really against teams that they, sh- they should have beaten. Yeah, what's, what's crazy about it is I actually think the Chargers are pretty good. Uh, you know, they probably should have sent that Denver game to overtime, if not for the field goal. Uh, they, and they, you know, they, look, if they had a competent field goal kicker, they had the rookie, same rookie, missed the field goal the next week. They lost to the, to the Miami Dolphins. 
you know, they win one of those games they're three and three. They win two of those. You know, they had a couple. They have a couple winnable games. Uh, you end up four and two. It's a completely different story. But yes, that that is the point. Let's uh, help me out with Trevor Simeon, right? Like there was, he won the job, but they wanted him to just hold it over till Paxton Lynch was ready. Then they wanted to have Paxton Lynch to win the job this year. He wasn't capable of it, so it feels like they've moved on from Paxton Lynch. On the other hand, it doesn't feel like Trevor Simeon, in a game which he doesn't have a running game and the defense lets him down, doesn't feel like he can go out and win you a game. I guess the question, TD, is ultimately, is he good enough? Is Trevor Simeon good enough to get the Broncos where they want to be? You know, I mean, that, that's it's, it's a great question. But we've seen games where um, he, he looked the part. Um, you know, we've seen games where Trevor can throw for 300 yards, you know, you know, but, but he also has some, some passes that are a little suspect. And I think for him, he certainly needs a run game. He needs to have the ability to do play action pass, uh, to be mobile and to have something that's working. If you're asking him to stand back there and throw the ball uh, to, to beat you with, with his arm, uh, I think he's, he's going to make some mistakes, you know, um, and watching film against the Giants game, you know, a few, few throws where he missed some receivers that were open. He was throwing off of, uh, you know, basically a platform where he's throwing off his back foot, uh, kind, of, kind of falling away from the throws and, and things like that. The mechanics, he, you know, he has to clean up. But I think that's certainly a product of him not having the ability to use play action pass and to be mobile. You go back to that. I mean, you remember two years ago, they brought in Mark Sanchez to really, they thought Mark Sanchez would have been the one to win the job over him and Paxton Lynch. But Trevor won that. He won that. I mean, this year again, as you, you mentioned, yeah, I think they were hoping that Paxton would take the step to, to beat out Trevor. But Trevor has shown some signs. And people in Denver, you talk to some of the players there, they believe that he's got some of the ability. And I'm not calling him Peyton Manning. I'm not saying that whatsoever. But just from the neck up, they said that the man is smart. He's a quarterback that can process things. And they know that he's, he's his talent is good enough to win games now. You know, with that said, he still needs a supporting cast to really help his ability. Um, and, and we'll see if that's if he's consistent with that this week. I mean, they do play the Chargers. Uh, we'll see if we can bounce back. But the game they played against the Giants, man, that was just that wasn't a good game on anybody's part. No, it wasn't. And and here's the thing: I think people forget. You, you tell me if I'm wrong to to take it this way. Peyton Manning is a great player, right? First ballot Hall of Famer, no question. But when Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos, he, he wasn't anything that you remember in terms of Peyton Manning, right? Like his arm was right. shot, nine touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Even in the Super Bowl, Peyton Manning really, it was the return game, it was the defense, and he just, you know, just doing enough, handing the ball off and occasionally hitting somebody who's open. He was he was subpar even by even by that year's Peyton Manning standard. So my point is that if, if that Peyton Manning can win a Super Bowl, uh, there's no reason that if the defense isn't dominant enough or it isn't dominant and if they have the they have a running game that they can't be competitive at the top level of the AFC that's kind of what you're saying right not that he has to be Peyton Manning prime Peyton Manning if he's better than Peyton Manning last year of Peyton Manning's run Doug yes and that's exactly what it is you know speaking with John and just having you know his his experience um John you know he he, he knows what a good quarterback can do and you know the flexibility of him though a top-tier quarterback, but he also knows that in this day and age, you can win championships with having a guy who just doesn't put the team in a bad position. You know, don't throw picks when you're inside the red zone. Be smart about it. A punt is not a, is not a bad play. And just give the team a chance 
And if you have that, you're going to win more games than not. And I think that's sort of John's philosophy. You know, try to get a running game, get a quarterback who's smart, who just knows that, hey, if we're in the red zone, we can't turn the ball over. We've got to get some points there. And then, you, and then they have a dominant defense. That formula has worked, and we've seen it work. So, yeah, they're not saying that, you know, hey, we're not saying Trevor needs to be uh, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, but he's got to – and he's got to display some ability at some time when he might be asked to throw the ball just to have it for that period. You don't have to be consistently doing that, but when we ask you to – to take us on a two-minute offense, you've got to be capable of doing that. And that's really about it. All right. Uh, tell me about this uh, Vizio going big for football season. This new 50-inch M-Series SmartCast display. Uh, tell me yeah, about man. it, TD. Hey, man, listen, brother. You know, Vizio's going big this football season, Doug. I know you like free TVs. I know I do. Yep. So anytime there's a 40-player more that results in a touchdown, Vizio will reward one lucky fan with a big 50-inch M-Series SmartCast display. And really, all you have to do is go to Vizio.com forward slash big plays to enter the win. It's that simple. You know, I think uh, the last couple of weeks we've seen uh, big plays happen all the time. So they're giving away, you know, TVs every single week. But you got to go ahead and sign up. And again, Vizio.com forward slash uh, big plays uh, to enter. It's that simple. Uh, how many times have you worn the jacket outside of, like, events? Like, do you wear it around the house? Uh, like, how many times have you worn that Hall of Fame jacket? <laughs> Uh, I've worn it a lot, man. I've, I've worn this one out. I probably need to get another one because this one is, uh, it's got some miles on it. You know what I mean? Uh, Good man. I if, I, if I had it, yeah. I would do it too. It's like a, right. like, why, why not? Like, right. You like, you wait all of that time. You should have been in a long time ago. You finally get in there, wear that jacket. I'd wear it around the house when I'm like on Sunday, wake up, you know, your wife's like, Hey, Honey, why don't you? Can you do the dishes? Can you do the like? Uh, I'm a Hall of Famer. You've just made as Hall of Famer. We just wear it everywhere. Let me, let me tell you, that Hall of Fame line that only lasted a week. Okay, my wife gave me a week before I, you know, before she was like, "All right, enough of the Hall of Fame stuff." And I get out there, and you know, you got to change some diapers, you got to take your kids to school, you got to do all the stuff that that a dad that a dad does. Now you can't just start dropping the Hall of Fame line anymore. So it worked for a week. I, I took my week, and I took. I took full advantage for that one week. Now, that was back to reality. Okay, but you still wear the jacket when you drop the kids off at school or while you're changing the diapers. Vizio.com <laughs> slash big plays. Anytime a player 40 or more yards results in a touchdown, somebody's going to win themselves a 50-inch TV. TD, thanks That's for right. joining us, and congrats again on the Hall of Fame. Appreciate it, Doc. Have a good one, man. All right, it's Terrell Davis, who uh, looks better, sounds better, and uh, – Still probably runs better than all the rest of us. That's just that's just not fair. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Yes, Aaron Judge led the league in strikeouts. So if you're surprised by the fact that he struck out so much um, previously in this series or in the previous series, you haven't been paying attention. It's also important to mention, like, like, oh, he takes a lot of pitches and gets to first base a lot. I go, did you know that he was on base 42% of the time? Like, so there's a difference between, like, him and, uh, let's, uh, let's go with, I don't know, Chris Davis, right? Like, Chris Davis of the Baltimore Orioles, another prodigious home run hitter uh, who only had, only had 26 home runs, struck out 195 times, but he was only on base 30% of the time as opposed to Aaron Judge, who had 52 home runs, but struck out 208 times on base 42% of the time. Like, it's just an out. And um, 
it's it's fascinating to me. Like, look, they've the people that we have dramatically changed, dramatically changed how we look at uh, how we look at at batting averages, how we look at OBP, WAR, OPS, slugging, but most importantly, strikeouts. Most importantly, strikeouts. And so to anybody who's like, well, Aaron Judge was just in a massive slump before last night. Like, yeah. But this is kind of who he who he is. Kind of who he is. How about this one? He's kind of like Derek Jeter. You're like, no, he's not. Well, he, don't say Jeter. Okay, here's Aaron Judge. Uh, 52 home runs in 154 was it? And he had 154 hits in 542 at bats. Somebody get out like a calculator here. His average is 284. His on base is 4422. Okay, 42% of the time he's on base. Right? That's regular season. Postseason. Uh, Aaron Judge's average slipped way down, only hitting 190, even after last night. He's on base 33% of the time. But the strikeouts, the home runs, uh, almost the exact same ratio, plus he had walked eight times. Like That's just baseball. But the big thing is people freaked out about the strikeout numbers. They're just freaking out. I can't believe how much he's striking out. Like, dude, he struck out more than anybody else in baseball in the regular season. And if you think strikeouts are a big deal, 2014, who was the MVP? Mike Trout. He led the league in strikeouts. It's it's not that strikeouts aren't important. It's not that wins aren't important for starting pitcher and losing isn't important. But the level of importance placed on it is not the same as it used to be. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. The Friday night thing is weird, right? Like, they had the fires going on, so would they play the game? Would it affect the game? It didn't. But there was the Syracuse upset of Clemson sandwiching in. It was in the middle of that sandwich with all the upsets Saturday night. But late Friday night up in Oakland, 37-3 was the final. The, the defense completely dismantled Washington State's offense. Their head coach joins us on Fox Sports Radio. Coach, how are you? I'm doing well, Doug. How are you? Good. Um, d- does it Does it feel like your upset didn't get Maybe, I don't know, respect isn't the word. The attention it deserved. Because it wasn't one of those, hey, they missed a field goal off the upright and you kind of snuck one out, right? It was complete and thorough domination because it kind of happened Friday night and so many other upsets happened on Saturday. I'm not sure it got the play nationally it deserves. Is that a fair way to look at it? Yeah, I don't don't think I'd be the one to answer that question. I don't really uh, have, you know, pay attention to much of that stuff. So it was a really good win for us. The guys played well and... Obviously, Wazoo's a talented team playing really well, and uh, we were able to to make some plays in the game and win it and hopefully build on it for this coming week. How were you able? Luke Falk is a, a talented quarterback. He's been there forever, and yet you really had him rattled. In addition, the interceptions that can happen, the nine sacks, how are you guys able to apply such pressure to an offense that get, gets rid of the ball so quickly? Uh, I thought you know, the coaches did an awesome job putting the plan together, and then the, the guys during the week, um, you know, prepared really well we had really good practices a little bit of a short week so a different schedule and I think played with you know offense defense special teams all phases really kind of played with a chip on their shoulder 
we hadn't played well the week before, probably our worst game of the year, and uh, knew Washington State's a really good team and had a great opportunity and just went out and made the most of it. And, you know, we got some uh, tip balls and things like that, and sometimes those things go your way, and sometimes they seem to fall the other way, and we, we got them uh, this past game. And uh, just proud of the guys for taking advantage of those opportunities. And But, again, you know, what happened last week really doesn't do anything for this week if, if we don't prepare. So it's, it's all about Arizona now. Yeah, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Um, okay, so I, you guys were Cal, and of course you haven't spent your career there, right? But uh, 152-1 and one against top 10 teams since 1978. But as a, as a young coach, as a guy who played in this league, did you have a special pregame speech? Was there anything like, all right, this is a big game, here's what I want to say? They're all big. I mean – I wish there was some special pregame speech that could prepare you to, you know, to do that. But it's really just the, you know, the, uh, you know, the product of all the individual plays. And uh, we had a good week of practice, and that's everything to us, you know, in terms of how we prepare. And then we got to go out and and uh, perform. And the guys did a nice job. And like I said, it took kind of every phase of the game. We didn't play perfect by any means. I mean, we came back and learned from the tape just like we would on any other game. But yeah, it's not. Uh, you know, we try and stay really consistent with our preparation and our process, how we do things, and we were able to go out and, and uh, again, make enough plays to win the game. Justin Wilcox joined us. He's the head coach of Cal. It's Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Um, you mentioned, uh, it's, it's funny, like, things, if you pay attention to the Pac-12, um, you you know about Khalil Tate. I don't know how many people nationally have seen Khalil Tate play he wasn't the starting quarterback to start the year for Arizona, and all they can ask Rich Rodriguez now is, "How? How did he not win?" The guy—he's the—he's a video game, like he's like Mike Vick video game, right? Is that—is that a fair way to describe yeah, how athletic this guy is? Yeah, he's really dynamic. I mean, I, I think the stat is he's got like almost 900 yards of offense in the last two games, and um, he's a physical runner. I mean, you have to treat him like he's a tailback, but he obviously can throw the ball. Well, and he's really efficient as a passer, and obviously they're they're running the ball uh, extremely well on offense, and so it'll be a, a totally different type of game uh, in terms of what we're seeing uh, uh, this week against against those guys. But uh, you know, Coach Rodriguez does a fantastic job, and offensively they give you a lot of challenges. Defensively they do a lot of movement, and they're taking the ball away. So, you know, it's a, another opportunity for us. And like I said before, it's all about practice and prep. And now we got to go out and perform on Saturday. Well, listen, you, you know, you, you've been a dynamic defensive guy. You you go back, um, you know, last time you were at Cal to when you're at Boise to Tennessee to UW to USC to Wisconsin now as head coach at Cal. Uh, but we were talking about this a little bit, I think, earlier in the week on how um, there's different variations of the spread and that Mike Leach, for example, brought the spread, I think, the big-time college football when he left Kentucky and went to Oklahoma, right? But then then there was Rich Rodriguez, who you're facing this week, who it was more running from the spread. It was a is To the layman, can you explain, I, I, you know, without a huge, long dissertation, like, what's the difference, <laughs> right? Like, we all see quarterback back there who can run and who can right. throw, but outside of just the personnel, what's the difference in what Rich Rod does and what Mike Leach does, both run the spread, both have been dynamic, both have been copied time and again by others, but they're very, very different. How so? Well, yeah, I think the term spread, um, I guess it de- depends on your definition of spread. You know, uh, if you call spread, means the quarterback's in the gun and there's a bat one, usually a one-back offense and you got a lot of detached receivers. But that doesn't I mean that within that, there's so many variations of, 
you know, play types and are they using the quarterback to run and what kind of run schemes are they using? What's the pass game? I just, there's so much variation, you know? So I think the term spread gets thrown around just because, you know, there's a, there's, I think it's because we don't know, but we don't know. I think it's mostly because people like, you know, people who are on the radio TV and fans, like we don't know what it is. So, so, Wait a second! I don't believe that. Yeah. I bet you know exactly what it no, is. No, so again, but how, how does it? What about what Rich Rod has done yeah. outside yeah, well, of that's having like triple? You know, so there's elements of triple option and wing T in that offense, and um, because the quarterback's a threat to give it, uh, keep it, and essentially throw it. And you know, in the old days, triple option it all looked like wishbone. You right. know, the old Nebraska, and so it was dive, quarterback pitch. Well, now it's you know, inside zone or counter. Now the quarterback can still pull it, but he's throwing bubble. And the spacing, there's so much more space on the field, you know. So there's a lot of elements of that. There's elements of wing T. Now last week against Wazoo, I mean, you're talking a totally different mindset, you know, that they're going to throw the ball and space you and timing on routes and meshes. and I mean, it's a totally different offense. No, but, it, it's, yeah. it's, fa- it's fascinating because the spacing is saying, like I play college basketball, the spacing has changed dramatically right. in the, you know, uh, 17 years since I played college basketball. Just like the spacing has changed dramatically in, in college football. Tell yep. me if I'm wrong. The, the hardest part about what Rich Rod does is that when the quarterback is a legit threat and Khalil Tate is a legit threat – that brings an extra blocker in, right? Because yeah, it's eleven on eleven. Yeah, and so you don't get an extra guy. How, so how how much more difficult? And look, this is not your first time around. I, I mentioned all the different places you coach defense. How how difficult is that? Because we always used to hear because of the cut blocks and because the quarterback was a threat that the toughest prep for any team was going against an option team, right? Like right. you play, play Navy or Georgia Tech or back Nebraska, playing in the middle of the season was hard. Is Arizona similar in that fashion? Yeah, it's because you got 11-on-11. 11 11. Uh, you know, again, their pitch man is running bubble or he might be running a slant on an RPO, but it's still you have to account for everybody, you know, and that's the challenge, you know. Usually in traditional style – off a of traditional meaning the quarterback's back there to either hand it off or throw it, you're always plus one somewhere. And whether it's in the run game or the pass game, you can always kind of manipulate that on defense. So that's where the game planning type things come in. But when you're playing them, uh, yeah, you got to defend everybody. And, uh, and, the, and the one-on-ones that they create, you know, even if, you do it, even if your X's cover all their O's in the right spots, you still got to go make the play in space against talented athletes, and that's the challenge, you know. Uh, so they'll space you out, put you in one-on-ones, and you got to be able to, you know, tackling is going to be huge. The tempo at which they do it, right? So they still they'll use tempo, yep. uh, and so that's another, you know, kind of layer uh, of the challenge. But uh, that's what's really cool about this conference. You know, the Pac-12, you're, you're going to see. Like last week, we saw, you know, Wazoo, and this week is Arizona. It's a totally different offense, and and you saw you, know, you saw USC, you saw USC before that, which is more kind of a little bit more pro style stuff. So I guess right. here here's the question. I've I've talked to Mike Gundy a bunch about this, and he's like, look, I don't know if out of this league we would be as competitive because we're built to win our league, right? They sure. they, they they take a lot of chances in that league. You got to turn people over because they can all really score. Yeah. What about the Pac-12 defensively because there's such a myriad of styles. Uh, there is some pro style stuff, but there are different versions uh, of of what people want to do in terms of tempo, playing fast and playing slow. Uh, is is it a is there a universal defense that works, and what does it work out of the league? Well, I would say if there's a universal defense that works, everybody'd be doing it because there's really no secrets anymore. I think it's about you know there's certain fun- foundations that you believe in, and you know we have ours. Um, it's going to come back to the fundamentals of the game. It's going to come back to uh, the, you know the 
the stat that we really talk about the most are, are turnovers and, and big plays. And, you know, obviously protecting the ball on offense and creating some big plays on offense and on defense, just you know, obviously vice versa. We're going to try and take the ball away and create or limit the explosive plays. And, uh, you know, you don't always have control over how many times the other team's going to snap the ball. I mean, if they're going to snap it 90 times and, you know, we got to play 90 times and, and I think it's just, you know, each week it's a little bit different on what it's going to take to win the game. And so we kind of approach it, you know, that week, what do we need to do to win this game on defense, offense, and in special teams? Uh, and that's the thing about the Pac-12 is you do get so much variety. You do. Um, all right, this is your first year as head coach. You've been doing this a long time and as, as an assistant. And I just, look, the, the emotions of going back to Oregon, losing that game, the blowout loss to a very good U-Dub team against Chris Peterson, who you used to coach with, and then to come back and all of a sudden now you beat Washington State, which is a huge upset. Your first year in, is it, is it everything you expected? Is there, what, what's it actually like now that you're experiencing finally being a head coach? Um, I think the biggest thing is, you know, just, you know, staying consistent in, in what we do and who we are. And um, obviously, you know, we're going to, disappointing to have those those three weeks in a row where we didn't play as well as if we would have liked obviously really good teams that we were playing but you know I'm really excited about the guys for staying with it and practicing really hard and preparing and and it paying off last week but like I said before I mean it guarantees you nothing uh for this next week so we gotta we were back at it again on Monday and um it's consistency, right? Can we keep working and growing as a team? Because that's what's going to take for us, and it's my job to create the environment to do that. Well, Ross Bauer's obviously going up and over in that flip. That's one of those that he, because he didn't get hurt, it's awesome. But I'm sure you're holding your breath when he's like midair, like, no, 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 yes. Yeah, it's about right. You know, I appreciate that about Ross. I mean, the guy's, you know, selling out for his teammates, and, and you love that about him. But he's not the biggest guy in the world, so I'm not, you know, don't need him to take too many of those. All right, well, good luck uh, trying to corral Khalil Tay because that, that kid is, is, is a freak. And look forward to watching the game and watching your program evolve. We appreciate you joining us on Fox Sports Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me, Doug. Take care. All right, that's Justin Wilcox, whose dad's a Hall of Famer. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. We bring back daily something we heard previously on one of our shows, and we call it... And now... <laughs> Well, look, Nick Wright is uh, he is a LeBron fan. He thinks LeBron's the greatest thing he's ever seen. And he had this to say in regards to the Warriors and who their most important player is. What happened was Draymond Green tweaked his knee and didn't play in that fourth quarter. And yesterday, when yep. folks killed me for just postulating that minor and major injuries happen in the NBA. Now, we saw the horrifying end of the spectrum with Gordon mm. Hayward. But the minor end of the spectrum is the tweaked knee. The tweaked hamstring, the shoulder that aches a little bit. Draymond Green went out, and the Warriors' defense fell apart. They went out with him. With Draymond on the floor last night, they had a 103 defensive rating. That's okay. It's not great, but with their great offense, it's fine. Right. With Draymond off the court, they had a 130 defensive rating. That is objectionably bad. That was the difference, is Draymond went out. Last year, CC, you and I talked. Who's the most important player on the Warriors? Draymond. It is exactly right. It is not Steph. It is not Durant. Um, look, I guess you could say last night it was. But it's also important to realize they didn't have Andre Iguodala last night, who would have normally replaced Draymond Green. That's not to diminish Draymond Green's important, but importance, but the, the thing that it just kind of all works together. That's really the point that's important. 
Right. Steph Curry is able to have nights or uh, or high turnover games occasionally because Klay Thompson can pick him up. You know, Klay Thompson and Steph Curry shoot a ton of threes, uh, but it also opens up the lane for because they shoot so many threes, 30 in fact, it, it opens up the lane for other for drivers. Um, and like, look, Draymond works, but he works because he can play three different positions, guard three or four different positions. So too can Andre Godala. Like the whole thing kind of works together. That's not to say that Draymond's not important, but it's also to point out he was made more important last night because they didn't have Andre Godala, and he's a specific cog to which they just don't have with the rest of the team. Uh, let's also play this in regards to something Jay Wright said, Villanova head coach on First Things First. What was so unique about this was that, and sometimes you hear rumors that this, no one knew anything about this. Number one, about it going on, and then when an FBI you know, investigation came out, whoa, I mean, that was shocking to everybody in college basketball. But it's a few guys, it's there, you know, it's an issue that we're all going to deal with together, but the game is good. You know, graduation rates are up. College basketball is healthy, but we have to be honest and address this, and we got to clean it up, you know, and I think we will. I think, for me personally, I just think the baseball model, the college football, football guys got to stay three years, right? Correct. It's so simple just let these guys go out of high school and then develop the G League so that guys that need to make money and don't want to go to college don't have to. They can go to the G League and, and, and make some money for their family. I love Jay Wright, but I should point out that you can already go to the G League straight out of high school. Uh, the G League has a different salary uh, structure this year to which you can make from twenty-five to $75,000 as a G League player, and then a two-way contract you can make is six figures, although a high school player who goes straight to the G League cannot be a two-way player because they could not play in the NBA. The two-way means NBA teams pick up part of their deals. So My point is only that this already ex- the G League thing already exists. Already exists. And the reason that players don't do it is because they know that, one, there's a safety net provided by college basketball teams, and two, there's promotion provided by college basketball teams that has a ton of value, more valuable than 25 grand before taxes, 50 grand before taxes. Not really close. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. 
And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.